This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alpharetta, Georgia. This is the next message in our series in the book of 2 Corinthians, entitled, We Faint Not. How many of you are glad that you've been forgiven? Say amen. You don't have to bear the weight of who you were and what your life was before Christ, and you have a new life in Him. Your past has been forgiven, and Lord Jesus has made a new creature out of you. That ought to thrill every one of us. Take your Bibles, if you would, and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I want you to read with me just one verse before we get started, and I want you to work through this passage of Scripture with me. This is God's Word, and I'm not really a smart guy, don't have a lot that I can say, but I, we can read the Bible and look at what He says. And here's what's going on in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, lest Satan, so everything above this, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Uh, I'm afraid we are ignorant. Paul wasn't ignorant. We shouldn't be ignorant. And he's teaching them so they won't be ignorant. But we have been very ignorant. You know, there's two things that go on in churches. Churches either become so tolerant, they won't do what God says, and they they become like social clubs. And all of a sudden, it's okay, no matter what you, hey, we love you, just come on in here. It doesn't matter if you ever repent of your sin. It doesn't matter if you ever trust Jesus. Hey, everything goes with us, man. We don't care which way it's happening. Everything's okay over here. And that, that that's become the popular church. Hey, let's just have positive thinking and philosophy. You could have Dr. Phil for a pastor over here because it really doesn't matter what the Word of God says. And that's one extreme. And then you got all the way over in the other extreme. And on this other extreme, you got intolerant churches and, and they're, they, they've, they've almost become mean and vindictive. They're so strict. Everybody He's afraid of them. They wouldn't know how to spell grace if you wrote it out in front of them. They wouldn't understand what's going on. And what we need is a balance. Satan wants nothing more. Satan wants nothing more than to get us on this side of the, uh, the thing or on this side of the thing, but not to be where God would have us be. My father-in-law told me years ago, he said, hey, he said, the main thing in your life is stay out of the ditches. Stay on the road. Don't get in a ditch on this side and don't get in a ditch on that side. And here's what the devil says. The devil says, I like ditches on both sides. Hey, I'm all for you being intolerant and mean. I'm all for you being really tolerant and accepting, but just stay out of the Bible. That'll get, I don't really like that one. So Paul says, hey, I want to talk to you about some things that are going on. And so today I'm going to say some things that right out of the Bible. And you're going to be like, whoa, now that's a little bit more over that side. And we like the grace side. But since we preach to the Bible and we go, verse by verse we get it all we get what god says about the the sweet kindness we get what god says about forgiveness we get what god says about hey i I don't bear the the sin of the past but we also get things that god says about hey i've called you to a holy living i've called you to honor me and serve me and glorify me and magnify me and i'm working in your life to do that so the first thing i want you to write down is this first thing i hope you'll write down is this the church should discipline its members. The church should discipline its members. Boy, that's a shocking one. Some of you are like, hey, I'm withdrawing my membership. I was considering membership, but not anymore. But let's see what the Word of God says. Look if you would, look if you would in verse 5. First, Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. But if any have caused grief, he hath not grieved me, but in part, that I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many. We'll read about that in a minute. I personally think that has to do with the guy in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I told you about the slept with his daddy's wife. And here's what Paul wrote. He said, hey, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of flesh. Don't go out to eat with him. He's doing wrong and don't side with that. So the church had a meeting, had a prayer. 
discipline the man if it's that man we're talking about. And many people were saying, what you're doing is wrong and we will not be a part of your sin. And one day the guy realized, I've been doing wrong. I shouldn't have been doing that. And he stepped back and he got his life right with God. And now Paul is asking for them to forgive him. But the first thing I want you to realize is a church should discipline its members. There ought to be some discipline. There ought to be, and we're going to see it plenty of times in the Bible. If you have your Bible open there to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5, look, it caused grief. He sinned. He sinned. He did something that hurt the name of Christ. He did something that hurt the church. He did something that hurt the Apostle Paul. But not just him, but even the rest of the church members. Verse 6, he was disciplined and Paul said, sufficient. Put a circle around the word sufficient. He said he's had enough. He's had enough uh, discipline. And by the way, if you say, I don't know if he's talking about discipline, look at the word punishment. That's a pretty strong word. Circle that word in your Bible. Punishment. Discipline. He's been disciplined. And then if you think the apostle Paul did it, uh, circle this inflicted of many. So that whatever's going on, this guy has been disciplined. A church ought to discipline its members. Look, if you would at Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, the Bible says, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. And if he neglect to hear the church, let it, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Now here's a different thing going on. This, this, uh, uh, here's a church member that gets offended by another church member. You know, that happens in every church you ever go to. I mean, there's some churches I preached in when you walked in and when I was traveling on as a missionary, you walk in, you could almost feel the, 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 the ugliness. Uh, the one family sits on the one side, the other family sits on the other side. And they only got two aisles in that church and there's a meanness there. Well, God said through Jesus, through the, uh, through Matthew, he said, look, When there's a problem, here's how you're supposed to handle it. Number one, you ought to go to speak to him in private. And you ought to say to him, look, let's get this thing worked out. Let me show you what you did wrong. Let me see what I did wrong, but let's get this thing worked out. If the guy refuses to get it right, then you go back with two or three witnesses and you sit down with him so that it's clear that you really tried to solve this problem, that you really tried to solve this problem. And then if that didn't work, you take it before the whole church and the church hears about it. There are several things I want you to notice in the passage of Scripture. And when we talk about church discipline, everybody gets really scared. Everybody's like, what's going to happen? Notice this. Most things will be handled privately. It doesn't get to the church unless it's a full-blown explosion. It's a nuclear atomic explosion. Some churches are almost like, if you've ever been, you might have been a member of them, but they, the pastors are blowing off on people. People are coming up to the front to apologize for every little thing. I missed three services in a row, and I'm here to apologize. And, but here's what's going on in the passage. You said, go to them in private. And if you can, you fix it in private. If not, take two or three, fix it there. If you can't fix it there, finally, it'll get to the church. If you're offended by someone, do not gossip, but rather talk to the person and see if you can't work things out. Did you know that when you have a problem, you ought to man up and go see the person? Say amen. If you have a problem, you ought to man up and go see the person. You ought to look them straight in the eyeball and say, you've hurt my feelings. You ought to look them in the eyeball and say, hey, you're in sin. And if you know something going on, your attitude ought to be, I'm not gossiping. I'm not spreading malicious rumors about anybody. I'm going to help my brother. I'm going to help my brother. If that doesn't work, you take some witnesses or you take it to the church. And you might say, well, how does that, what about 
church discipline. That sounds like problems between two people. Look, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 4. That's the man, that's the man who slept with his daddy's wife. His stepmother. Look what the Bible says. Paul writes to the first Corinthians, the church of Corinth, the first letter to the Corinthians. And he says, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, look at this. This is now a gross sin. This isn't two little people had a little argument. This isn't you took my seat. This isn't you owe me 10 bucks and you hadn't paid me 10 bucks. There's something big and gross going on in this church. I mean, fact is in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says, hey, even lost people don't do this. Do you understand? Even though people that don't know Jesus don't usually go around sleeping with their daddy's wife. That's just not normal. You guys are plumb, repugnantly gross. And something needs to be done about this. Let's take a drastic stand against sin let's take a drastic stand against sin the man had refused to leave his sin it's not hey you might slip you might fall but you can repent and get back up but this guy's like i'm doing what i'm doing and it ain't none of your business i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do i'm under grace and under grace i can leave my wife sleep with another man's wife under grace I, no sir that's not the way it works god's people know that's wrong say amen right there and so, so, so they know that the church had not really dealt with him. They were, they were to get together, pray and turn the guy over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. How many of you'd call that church discipline? Say, man, hey, we're having a prayer meeting and we're saying, God, we want you to remove your protective hand from around our friend, our brother in Christ. We want you to turn him over to the devil. We want the devil to beat the living slop out of him, but even kill him. But we don't want him to go to hell. That's a pretty strong statement. Now, that's a pretty strong statement. I was, I was, uh, I had a young lady in our church, in our first church, and she had run away from home. Her dad called me. He didn't even go to church. He called me and said, this young lady has run away from home. She's with a boy. She's living up there. She's been married to him now for years. She's living up in another town. I wish you'd go get her and get her to come home. And I said, well, I'll try to do that. And I went up to her and I went into her house. I said, Teresa, let's talk just a minute. And we sat down and we started talking. And I said, now, Teresa, you know this isn't right. You need to get right with God. You need to get back down to the, uh, you need to get back down to your family. You need to do the right thing here. And Teresa said, you ain't telling me what to do, Brother Austin. I'm going to do what I want to do. I said, that's fine. I just need to tell you what I'm going to do. Tonight, I'm going to tell the church what you're doing. And tonight, I'm going to ask the church to pray with me that God will turn you over to the devil for the destruction of the flesh. And I'm going to pray God will kill you. She looked at me and said, you wouldn't do that. I said, why don't you come see? That night, she was on the front row going, I'm here. And she got things right with her dad and fixed her life. Now, obviously, obviously, uh, that was a young guy being, being a little pushy with a girl that ran away from him. But would you rust in here? Sin ought not be taken lightly by God's people. Can you say amen? Is that true or not? Sin ought not be taken lightly by God's people. I do want you to look at verse 5 and notice what he says. Did you notice, you know, we've talked about eternal security here. We've talked about you're saved. And if you're really saved, you're saved forever. But does that mean you can get away with sin? No, even the church is 
is going to deal with that. Even the church is going to discipline that. But notice what it says in the verse. To deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the body, the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. When God's people do wrong, God disciplines them, but they don't lose their salvation. When God's people do wrong, consequences come, and God will allow things to happen in your life to make you realize he may even take your life, but when he does, you'll go to heaven. What a wonderful, graceful God we have. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. We'll get to the forgiveness. You're saying, man, where's the forgiveness? We're getting there. 1 Corinthians 5, 9. Same chapter, same man, same story. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. You ought not be running around with sexual perverts, sexual deviants. You say, well, what's a sexual deviant, a sexual pervert? Well, that would go anywhere from pornography to fornication to bestiality to homosexuality. It'd go to any kind of sex. And he said, I told you all not to do that. Verse 10, he said, yet not altogether the fornicators of this world or the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters. For then must you needs go out of the world. He said, now I told you all not to hang around with fornicators, with sexual perverts or people doing things that are perverting God's will for what's right in the, in the world of sex. He said, but I didn't tell you, you couldn't hang around with, you couldn't do business with them. You get, you got There's no way to live in this world without being around them. But in the church, it's a different ball game. So read what he says in verse 11, got your Bible open. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that's called a brother, would you underline this? Called a brother. You know, I realize that my neighbors, I realize that the people I do business with, I realize that the stores I go to, I realize that people everywhere may be doing all kinds of wicked stuff. But if they call themselves a brother, I'll not company with them if they are doing those things. If they are living in sin and they know they're living in sin, I ought to remove myself. Look at what he says. Look at what he says, verse 11. I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that's called a brother be a fornicator, a covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one, no, not to eat. What's it mean not to keep company? Don't eat with them. That's fellowship time. Don't eat with them. Some things ought to have to be publicly dealt with. And by the way, they're listed for us. A person involved that's a fornicator, pornography, adultery, homosexuality, bestiality, covetousness, making an idol out of things, making an idol out of things, desiring things that others have. Having idols or worshiping false gods, being a railer or a fighter, being a drunkard. You know, we ought not have drunkards that can think that it's okay at our church. They ought to realize, hey, being a drunkard doesn't fit with being a born-again Christian. You can be a saved person and you might get drunk, but it's not fitting, not right, not correct. God's people ought to know that. Boy, this is not a good Sunday morning message, is it? That's the bad thing about preaching straight through the Bible. You know, it's, that's just where we are. And then you can't be an extortioner or a swindler. Now look at this. Look at this if you would. Second Corinthians three six. We're to separate from sin and brothers in sin. That's clearly taught in the scriptures. We're to separate from sin and brothers are in sin. Second Corinthians three uh, Second Thessalonians three six. Second Thessalonians three six. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly. From every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. Paul says, you know, I discipled you. I taught you. I preached to you. You got the word of God. And if a guy's not going to live that way, if he's out of order, here's what the word of God says. And he's out of order with the word of God. You should withdraw yourself from him, from a brother. People say, well, the church ought to be a place where sinners feel welcome. 
The church ought to be a place where sinners know they can come get help, but not where sinners can come and stay sinners. The church ought to be a place where a guy comes in and says, you know, I've been living my own life, selfish, egotistical, doing my own thing. But now I realize I need to repent of my sin and turn to God. And the church will love me and help me and help me grow. But it's not the idea that the church sinks to the level of the world, but rather the church carries the gospel to the world and the world gets saved, born again, new creature, old life, old life passed away, all are made new and they walk in a newness of life. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, look what he said. And if any man obey not our word... Note that man. Look at him. Figure out who he is. Note him. Pay attention to him. Write him down. Get a list of him. And have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Let him realize, I'm doing wrong. I'm doing wrong. That's amazing. Political parties understand that. It's amazing. The Kiwana Club understands. Everybody understands that but God's people. Just recently, a Republican came out and said something really dumb and offended a whole bunch of people. And every Republican in the country stood up and said, I ain't for him. But here's a church person who says, I think I'll just sleep with my daddy's wife. And the church said, well, we need to be tolerant. And Paul said, no, you don't. Take a stand for what's right. One ditch is not taking a stand for what's right. Verse 15 says, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him. As a brother. Count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Second Corinthians chapter 2 again. First thing I wanted you to realize is this. A church ought to discipline its members. Would you look this way just a second? Look this way just a second. Listen to this. God's people. Hey, when we form a church is a group of baptized believers that have joined together to obey the Lord Jesus. It's not, this is, you know, we have services and anybody and everybody's welcome. But when you become a part of the church, you're saying, I know Jesus and I want to serve him and I want to honor him. And I commit myself to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, to apply what the word of God teaches in my life and to live a life after the Lord Jesus, to note and show forth that I have been born again. Can you say amen right there? We love people. Hey, I'd love a guy that I don't care what sin he's in. We'll love him, but we love him to help him find Jesus and step out of that, not stay in that. Number one, the church ought to discipline members. Number two, our goal is always restoration. Our goal is always restoration. Look at you at verse six, second Corinthians chapter two, verse six, second Corinthians chapter two, verse six. Sufficient to such a man is the punishment which was inflicted of many. Underline sufficient. Verse 7. So that contrarywise, you ought rather to forgive him. Circle that. It ought to already be circled if you come regularly. Forgive him and comfort him. Circle that. Forgive him and comfort him. Uh, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up in overmuch sorrow. Wherefore, I beseech you that you would confirm your love. Toward him, confirm your love. And we said this at the, uh, when we started Second Corinthians, but let's do it again. What are we supposed to do? This brother sinned. This brother repented. This brother got right. Three things Paul wanted them to do: forgive him, comfort him, confirm him. Are you ready? Can you say that with me? They were to forgive him, comfort him, confirm him. They were to say, "Hey, buddy, God's forgiven you. We forgive you." They were to comfort him and say, "Hey, you know what?" You messed up. We love you. We understand that. And we, we want you to know that we love you and we care. And you're back. You're back. You're, you're where you ought to be. And then they wanted to, he said, confirm that. Make sure they really know. Make sure they really know that it's right. 
He had been disciplined and it was sufficient. They were to forgive him and comfort him. They were to forgive him and comfort him. They were to confirm their love. Look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. They'll put it up behind my head, but look at, write, write this down, Galatians 6, 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you, if a guy fall into sin, if he, get, if he messes up and he does wrong, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness and humility, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You know what he said? He said, guys, if somebody's doing wrong, there ought to be a sweet spirit among us. There ought to be a gentleness and a kindness among us to help a person get their life right with God. Um, Humility and a meekness to help them get their life right. And remember this, it might be you next time. So don't be harsh. So there's this one side over here that says, hey, everything goes. It's okay. Hey, you can come to our church. You can be just like you are without knowing Jesus. And we'll accept you and everything goes. We just want you to think positive thoughts. And then you come over on the other side. This church is, I, we're, we're going to be just as mean as we can be. And the Apostle Paul said, hey, don't be like that. Let's have some church discipline. But let's comfort and confirm. Stay out of both ditches. Stay in the middle. Help people learn to live for Jesus. Third thing, we should forgive. We should forgive. Verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. For to this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. You know what Paul writes? He says, I'm writing this letter to make sure you all been obedient. See, he sent Titus, one of his associates, he sent him up there to see that church. And he told him, this guy got right, forgive him. This guy got right, let's do right. This guy got right, let's, let's accept it. Let's, let's get him back into fellowship because we're not out to hurt people. We're just out to help people so they live for God. And so Paul writes and says, I just want to find out if you're obedient. What were they going to be obedient in? Forgiving, comforting, and confirming. Hey, church, it's easy sometimes when someone's offended you or someone's committed a gross moral act and you realize, boy, that's wicked and sinful. And a church rises up and they get all puffed up and say, hey, you need to get out of here. We don't like your kind. And it's easy to get that attitude. Paul said, whoa, back up, forgive, forgive, comfort and confirm, forgive, comfort and confirm. And I'm writing this letter to find out y'all doing what I told you or not. Because a real church, his job is to love people and help them find Jesus, know Jesus, be saved, and live the life that God's called us to. And Paul said, I'm writing to find out if y'all been obedient or not. Did you know that we ought to forgive like Christ has forgiven us? We ought to forgive like Christ has forgiven us. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32, he said, be ye kind to one another. He's talking to a church. And this is to us. Be kind one to another. Tender-hearted, soft-hearted, soft-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. But I walk in here, and every one of us ought to have an attitude of, I love you, I love you, I don't hold anything against you, I won't hold anything. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, forbearing, that means putting up with each other and forgiving each other. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you. Jesus said in Luke 17, if he repents once, forgive him. If he repents and does it again, forgive it and ask forgiveness. Keep forgiven, keep forgiven, keep forgiven, keep forgiven, keep forgiven. Let me end this morning with a story. How do you forgive? How are you going to go about forgiving? Well, here's a story found in Genesis chapter 45, verse 5. Here's a, well, the story is all through Genesis. But anyway, Genesis 45, 5, let me read this to you. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. 
For God did send me before you to preserve life. And God sent me before you, verse 7, verse 7, God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the life, a posterity in the earth and to save your lives. Verse 8, and so it was not you that sent me hither, but God. I wish you'd take your Bible. And if you have your Bible, would you do this for me? Go to the book of Genesis, first book in the Bible. Underline this. Genesis, first book in the Bible, chapter 45. Look what happened. He said, guys, don't be hurt. Don't be even angry with yourself that you sold me hither. Here's the story. Joseph was the baby brother. He was number 11. There was another brother that comes after him. And, and those brothers grabbed old Joseph. Those brothers grabbed old Joseph. And they, they, uh, they took off his really fancy cloak that his dad had given him. His robe that his dad gave him. It was a many colored thing. It was uh, to show his dad's deep love for him. They took that coat off and they ripped it and they tore it. And they beat it with rocks and they poured goat blood on it. And so they could take it back to dad and say, dad, look, uh, I don't know what's happened to our brother, but he's dead. Then they threw him in a pit. And then when some guys came along, his kid's only like 17 years old. They throw him in a, in a, in a jail cart, a slave cart and send him off to Egypt. They have abused him. He will spend the next 13 years of his life, either in jail or as a slave. He'll spend his next 13 years of his life being abused. Can you imagine a 17-year-old foreigner being put in a prison? Can you imagine a 17-year-old being put, uh, being sold into slavery by his brothers? And old, old, uh, old jo- Joseph says, guys, I need you to realize something. Don't be upset with yourselves. Don't even be mad at yourselves. Because even in the bad thing that happened to me, God was at work. That's how we learn to forgive. God's at work in our lives. Look, if you've got your Bible, I want you to underline this. Go down to verse 5. Genesis 45, 5. And underline this. God did send me. God sent you? It looks to me like your brother sold you into slavery. It looks to me like the slave traders brought you into the country. It looks to me like the slave purchasers brought you. And he said, no, no. God did send me before you. Go to verse 7. Go to verse 7. Genesis 45, 7. And God sent me. God sent me before you. Go to verse 8. It was not you that sent me hither, but God. Chapter 50, verse 20, he says this. As for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. Now look at here. And I'll finish this tonight for you. Well, watch this. Here's what happens in in the story. We need discipline. In a church, it keeps us out of that side of the ditch. It keeps us from becoming a church that has literally no stand. We won't do anything that's right. I mean, it's just become it's just become a picture of the world. It's just like it's just like the world, and they, they stick the name church on it, and it's like it's okay. It also this this forgiveness takes us out of this other ditch because we realize this guy did wrong, and we're not going to be mean and critical and, and ugly to him, and then we're going to be back here in the middle. And so we need to learn to forgive. I need to learn to forgive. How many of you have been done wrong? You've done, done wrong. Say, man, you said it at the beginning. You did it. You have, haven't you? You know what Joseph did? Now, please understand this. He might have suffered as much as you've suffered. 13 years. 13 years of his life, he was a slave. 13 years of his life, he was owned by other people. He was put in prison for something he didn't do after he was a slave and was doing all the right thing. He was a falsely accused and put in prison. While he was in prison, uh, so he goes from slave to getting a nice position as a slave, to being put into prison, to being, and, and to be forgotten and left there for two years after his friend said, I won't forget you. 13 years. He could have ended up being one of these really bitter Baptists. He could have been over here on this side saying, man, I've been burnt, I've been hurt, and I hate everybody. 
He could have been that way, but he didn't do that. Instead, he said, let me look at my life and see what God's been doing in my life. And he realized that though they meant it for wrong, God meant it for good. Though they were trying to hurt him, God was trying to use him for other purposes. So a church ought to discipline. But discipline is never to hurt people. Discipline would only be to help people do the right thing, get right. Hey, sometimes, to be honest with you, most churches have less discipline than Weight Watchers. It's like, hey, anything goes, who cares? Man, we love grace. Grace is an excuse and a cover for sin. No, it's not. Being saved by the grace of God is not a license to do wrong. It's being born again. It's having a new life in Christ. So when a guy steps over and does things he ought not do, the preaching and the teaching and the church members even ought to say, wait a minute, that's not who we are. That's not living out who you are in Christ. It ought to be done in a sweet and kind way. It ought to rarely ever become a public issue. It ought to be handled in the most gracious way possible to bring them back to where they ought to be. But not to go over here to this side and not to go over here to this side. And they're to learn to forgive. They're to learn to restore him. They're to comfort him. They're to confirm him. They're to make sure he knows, man, you're loved and cared for here. People care about you. We don't care what your past has been. As long as you've really gotten things right with God, we want to help you and love you. But the next thing that comes along that you're going to have to ask is this. Well, if we're going to do all that forgiving, that's pretty hard stuff. And that's why churches often have a non-forgiving spirit. And how do you learn to forgive? Well, a good lesson might be to look at old Joseph. Oh, Joseph looked at everything that happened to him and he said, wait a minute, was God working in my life? And I look back at some of the hard things that have happened to me. And I look back at some of the things that were kind of tough on me. And I realized that all those things, God's been at work in my life. God's been making the man that he could use. The heartaches I went through, the hard times I went through, the sad times I went through, God's been making a man he could use. God's at work in your life. Joseph said, brothers, I know you're scared because I'm the number two man in Egypt and I can have your heads. I can kill you. If I want to have you killed, I'll just have you murdered right now. So, but don't be upset with yourselves. You did want to hurt me. I know you did. And you know you did, but don't be upset because it wasn't really you that did it. It was God sending me to Egypt so I could save our family and save our nation and I could be used of God. So as a Christian, I want to step back and I want to say, what's been going on in my life? Yeah, I've been hurt. But you know what? In those hurts, God's taught me. I've grown. You've grown. God's at work in our life. God's teaching us how to deal with other people. And so we want to learn how to forgive Let me give you the last thing. Here's what he ends the story with, and I'll finish it tonight. But here's how he ends the story. He said, lest Satan get an advantage over us. You know that Satan wants more than anything else to try to stop the work of God. He can't and he won't, but he would love to stop the work of God. And he is so sly. He is so sly. He would love you to be a good moral person and not know Jesus. He would love you to be a bitter Baptist. He would love you to be a sin-loving church member. He'd do anything he can. Just don't be a servant, a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. He'd do anything. Hey, be as good a guy or bad a guy as you want. I don't really care what you do. Just don't follow Jesus. And Paul said, guys, sometimes at church, churches have been way too hard. Churches have made a guy be swallowed up in over much sorrow. He got sorry for what he did and the church wouldn't forgive. He said, I'm writing a letter to find out, did y'all forgive like I told you to? Did you forgive? Did you comfort? Did you confirm your love to him? I want to know. I'm asking you in a letter. 
Did you do that? So this morning, I don't know where you are, but as a born-again Christian, there ought to be a hunger in your life to serve Jesus. How many of you would say, I really want to serve the Lord Jesus? Say amen. You know what that means? That means that if I serve Jesus, I'm going to love my wife and be loyal to my wife and not have any kind of adulterous affair on my wife. I'm going to serve the Lord Jesus. Can you say amen? It means that I am not going to get involved in any kind of sexual deviancy away from that. It means that I'm not going to be a covetous person who's just chasing after things and things have become a God to me. See, that, we don't want to talk about that sin because in Alpharetta, that's a, a prized sin. We get to chase the sin of I want stuff. And that's okay. And, and then I'm not going to be a railer and I'm not going to be a swindler. And I'm not going to do it because I want to serve Jesus. I want to serve Jesus. And I want other brothers and sisters that would hold me accountable. I want our church to be a group of people who would say, hey, we love Jesus. We love Jesus. We live a holy life. So that keeps us out of that ditch. But at the same time, we love Jesus, but we don't become the mean, condemning, pharisaical Christians who walk around with a better than you attitude. Using the Bible as a way to beat people up. So there's a balance. Side of the ditches on both sides. Where are you this morning? Maybe you lean a little to the, let's beat them up side. Well, you probably ought to move back over this way. And maybe you lean to the, well, I think sin's okay, but you need to move back over this way. Maybe you've been hurt and burnt in the past. You need to realize that God's been at work in your life. God's been at work in your life and he loves you and he's doing something in your life. Maybe you've never been saved and today you ought to accept Jesus as your savior. But whatever the case, Satan would love nothing more than to destroy your life, destroy holiness, destroy purity, destroy the work of God. And I don't want Satan to get an advantage. Let's bow our heads forward to prayer. Father, I love you and I thank you for the chance to be in your house. I pray that you'd work and move in our hearts and our lives tonight, this morning. I pray, God, that you'd help Christians to confess sin, a sin of covetousness, a sin of sexual uh, deviancy. I, I pray, God, you'd help them to, to uh, covetousness and idolatry and uh, railing or fighting and extortion or swindling. God, whatever sin that we might be doing and we call ourselves a brother, help us today to, for, to confess that and to say, no, we want to live a holy life. I pray, God, that you'd honor yourself and magnify yourself in our lives. I pray, God, you'd help us to be a loving, accepting, kind church, but not accepting of sin, but accepting of people that need you. Sinners, but not their sin. God, I pray you'd help our church to take a stand for what's right and to honor you. God, I'll give you praise and honor and glory for all that you do. Save people that aren't saved this morning. Help Christians to forgive that need to forgive. Help us as a church this morning to honor you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you know whether or not the Holy Spirit's dealt with your heart and spoken to you about something. Maybe I didn't even make it clear, but the Holy Spirit did, and he drove it into your heart, and you know there's a decision you need to make. I'd like to ask you to step out of your seat find a place to pray. Maybe you need to come and say, I need to be more loving and kind and gentle. Maybe you need to come and say, maybe you need to come and say, I, I need to quit being bitter and, and having a bad attitude. Maybe you need to come and say, hey, I've never been born again. I don't know that I'd go to heaven if I died. I'm not sure I'd go to heaven if I died. You could be saved today. The Lord Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. Your salvation's already bought and paid for. Nothing you have to do but accept the free gift of grace. Would there be anybody this morning say, I'm not saved. I'm not sure I'd go to heaven when I die. But I wish somebody pray with me and show me from the Bible how to be saved. Would you hold your hand up and let me help you? Would there be anybody like that? As a Christian, would you today say, I want to stay out of the ditches. I want to honor the Lord Jesus. I want to serve him. Father, you deal with hearts. Show us what you'd have us do. Help us make decisions today based on this passage. And we'll give you praise.
You have been listening to Austin Gardner, pastor of Vision Baptist Church. For contact information, location, service times, or more audio and video recordings, log on to www.visionbaptist.com.